Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, June 11th, 2021. Well, for most major sports, when a team wins the championship and uh, goes back to their home city, there is a massive victory parade. And there's just all kinds of, of celebration that our team has won the championship. And you'll notice that you generally only see these parades after a team has not just won a game, but won the whole league, won the big trophy, won the championship. And they definitely don't happen, you know, after a a lost game that's just kind of random in the middle of the season. No, it only happens when victory is complete and final. Well, today we're going to see the Apostle Paul talk about something of a victory parade, a triumphal procession. And he's going to refer to this not just as something that he hopes to experience at the end of his life when, you know, the championship is won, so to speak, and the game is over, but this triumphal possession is actually one that is all of his life and specifically all of his ministry, that he thought of ministry as one triumphal procession, as one long victory parade. How in the world did he think that? Well, we're going to see more about that as we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And the verse that I've been alluding to so far is verse 14, which says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And so that's what he's talking about. And the first thing we have to note is that when Paul is talking about a triumphal procession, he is clearly not saying that everything in his life is going smoothly. He is not saying that everything that happens feels right, feels good, and that everything feels like a victory. One thing we're going to clearly see is that um, this triumphal procession may even seem at odds with the circumstances. Think back already to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when he talked about despairing of life itself. Or think about the two verses that immediately precede verse 14 in chapter 2, where he says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. So there we we see some of these elements at work that this triumphal procession didn't mean that everything felt good. No, he is saying my spirit was not at rest because there was a problem in ministry. I, I couldn't find my brother Titus. And so I had to go looking for him. And that must have been a trial. That must have been something that very much concerned Paul. But even in the midst of that, it's a victory parade because of Christ. So what does this mean to us? And how can we live a life that has this feeling of a triumphal procession? And that's where I think we have to start by saying, well, it's not always going to feel like we're winning. 
that sometimes this triumphal procession, in fact, most of the time, if we really look at what uh, the Apostle Paul went through, it will be at odds with our circumstances. So this triumphal procession is not just about good circumstances and good feelings. So what is it about? Well, here we see that it's in Christ. It is Christ that is leading us. And in this triumphal procession, he is spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And there we see, really, this triumphal procession is going to come, for starters, just in knowing God, in knowing God and in spreading that knowledge of God, right? Every day, if you are a believer, you get to know God. You get to have a relationship with him. And that, in God's eyes, is what we call winning. The world doesn't care about that. The world defines winning as uh, having lots of money, having lots of success or fame or all these other things. God defines winning as knowing him. Even think of how Jesus defined eternal life in John 17. And this is eternal life that they may know you. So if you know God today, you are winning. And your circumstances today might be terrible, but if you know God, that is a triumph even over the circumstances in your life. And another thing that we see here is that there's going to be a lot of dependence on God involved in this triumphal procession. In verse, uh, at the end of verse 16, it says, who is sufficient for these things? And I think the implication there is, well, we are not sufficient Our ministry does not rest on us. It does not rest on our own abilities. It rests on God. And so if you think, well, hey, you know, I'm just, this is just some positive thinking. I'm going to go out and win today. And that's something you're putting on yourself. Then you don't get it. It is about every day, depending on Christ, trusting in him. And then also this kind of winning in this triumphal procession is, is not about, uh, It's not about your agenda. And that's really what we see at the end here in verse 17, that we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So he he doesn't have his own agenda. He's not selling God's word to try to make a profit. No, he is just a servant trying to do God's will. He's just sincerely commissioned by God, seeking to advance the gospel. And that's where you can have some confidence too, that, hey, if you sincerely serve God and follow his path and seek to spread the gospel, that is going to lead to victory. Again, it might not always feel like it. Uh, Revival didn't break out instantly everywhere that Paul went, but he knew if I'm being faithful and I'm spreading the gospel, the gospel is such a victorious message that it will be this fragrance. And even though to some it's a fragrance of death to death, it will be a fragrance to life for many. And so hopefully those thoughts encourage us um, today, no matter what our circumstances, that we value knowing Christ, that we're leaning on him and we're committed to his mission. One other quick thought uh, is before we leave 2 Corinthians and go to another passage that will keep us on this same theme of a triumphal procession, He talks in the middle of chapter two about forgiveness. And even at the end of that section in verse 11, he says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his designs. And there, I think it's saying, hey, one of Satan's designs is to bring division 
in the body of Christ. And one way that division will express itself is a lack of forgiveness. So you should open up your eyes because even as we think about maybe some sports analogies and winning and uh, triumph, right? Well, we have the other team's playbook to an extent. And, And we know that the devil, he loves to spread division. And so I want you to think, is there bitterness or a grudge that you are holding towards someone else, specifically even in your local church? And respond to the word of God here, calling us to forgive. Now, as we think about that triumphal procession, I think we get some more of that flavor and some more of that mindset as we finish up Psalm 71 today, looking at verses 17 through 24. And he now is is just reflecting the psalmist is from his youth all the way to his old age that God has taught him, that God has been faithful. And even now in his old age, he's asking God not to forsake him until he has the chance to proclaim God's greatness and goodness to another generation. And then he praises God in verse 19, your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities. So here, whoa, again, that doesn't sound like triumph. That's trial. But he says even, even in the midst of all the trials, you will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. And then he goes on to uh, anticipate the joy and the worship and the praise that he is going to have in the future. So here, this apparently a seasoned saint that's passing into old age and praying for God to protect him in that time and use him in that time to spread the word to another generation, he's expressing a confidence. Uh, now he looks back and he's he's seen trials, he's seen the valleys of life, but he knows every time I have, God has brought me through it and God has brought me out of it. And that's where, hey, whatever's to come, God, you will revive me again. And that really brings me back to what we talked about yesterday, that reinforced faith that's getting stronger over time. And I think that's what you see here in this apparently seasoned saint is now he's at the end of his life, but he knows, hey, if trials are still to come, you will revive me again. And he's trusting in God. And I hope we can all have that same trust. Next, let's go to Mark chapter 14, verses 15 through 65. And here's another powerful statement really on the deity of Christ. And, uh, and especially at least on his understanding that he is the Messiah, which uh, we, from other places in scripture, we can certainly understand that this was uh, a figure that the Messiah was to be God in the flesh. And so as we uh, see this, we see Jesus on trial and he's before the chief priests and they're seeking testimony and they're bringing false witnesses, right? They, they, they're stacking the deck and they still can't make a clear case against Christ. And Jesus is just not making any answer. Um, We know that was part of his plan and his submission to God. Also, you wonder if part of it's just, well, what do I have to say? Because you're you're making a mess of this. You can't even convict me with false witnesses. But finally, the high priest straight up asks him in verse 61, are you the Christ? Which remember, Christ is the same word as Messiah, just a different language. Are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed, right? Which really saying, hey, are you the Messiah, the son of God? And Jesus said, I am. Boom. That's a pretty strong statement. And then he says, and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds. 
of heaven. There's a powerful statement of Jesus really claiming power, authority, and I think even deity right here in this sentence. And and you see the response to it. The high priest tears his garments and says, what further witnesses do we need? You have heard this blasphemy, right? They understand what Jesus is saying. They understand that Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah, that he is claiming to be God. And then they condemn him as deserving death. And they begin to spit on him and cover his face and strike him, saying to him, prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. I mean, what a juxtaposition. This man who claims that he will be seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven is then spat on and beaten. And and that's where maybe it connects with our theme for today, where that doesn't feel like a triumphal procession, but Christ knew exactly what he was doing. And we will see him seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven with glory, right? Our hope for a triumphal procession is ultimately based on Christ who has won the victory, who has endured the greatest suffering. And he will. I mean, you want to see a victory parade. Wait till you see the return of Christ. What an amazing thing that will be. But here we see even the humility of Christ, that even though he states his his deity, he states who he is and his power and his authority here, he still willingly subjects himself to suffering for our sake that we might be reconciled to God. Uh, finally, we look at 1 Kings 7 today, and here, uh, again, there's a lot of details in this chapter, but we see the details of uh, David building his own palace and house, and we also see some of the details then of uh, some of the instruments that were in the temple, and again, one thing that comes across is, man, this was all amazing, this was all excellent, and so if you've kind of worked your way through the details of chapters 5, 6, and 7, uh, you'll get to chapter 8 tomorrow where we're going to see even uh, the, the prayer of dedication. We're going to see kind of some of the significance of everything that we've read in these few verses. But until tomorrow, may you live today in a triumphal procession, uh, which might not mean good circumstances, but you know God, you're trusting in him, you're anticipating the victory of Christ. And may that bring us all a sense, a powerful sense of triumph and victory today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.